Hello everybody and welcome once again to the Wrestling Arena. I'm your host Paul and on today's show we'll be discussing Night of Champions, Double or Nothing, the actual destruction of the bloodline, maybe, and crowd reactions to the return of CM Punk. So here I am reacting to pay-per-views that happened just over a week ago and I'm sorry it's taken so long but it's been a very hectic week for me. I hope that this, my views on these pay-per-views are still wanted and warranted uh, so that you at least know where I stand on the whole thing because it was a very packed weekend. We are, Not only did we have Double or Nothing and Night of Champions, but we also had Under Siege from TNA, which I haven't watched because, uh, see, it's TNA. Even though it's not TNA, it's Impact Wrestling. But to me, they'll always forever be TNA, which burnt me a long time ago, and I never really went back despite the fact that their women's division seems to be really good. And we also had an NXT card, which I believe was NXT Battleground, which, again, I just haven't been able to go back and watch. I just I don't keep up with everything. I can't. It's not possible. There are not enough hours in the day. So apologies for that. Apologies you won't have any kind of NXT or Impact reactions. But I did watch both Night of Champions and Double or Nothing, as well as the TV shows that followed them for the week. So not only will you be getting my reactions to the actual shows, but also what I thought of the follower. So first of all, I want to talk about Night of Champions. Now, this is obviously taking place in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and I make no bones about it. I've not been a massive fan of many of these shows. They felt like big spectacles for the sake of spectacle, with very little actually happening on them. You know, old old stars appearing. Like I mean, we had that horrible Undertaker versus Goldberg match. Goldberg beat the Fiend. And it's just been like, yes, stuff has happened, but it's very rarely been any good, despite the fact that anybody, you know, people are trying. I mean, the Greatest Royal Rumble feels like it's still going on, as funny as some of that was. You know, it does feel like it just went forever. But I will say, this time, that I actually thought Night of Champions was a really good card, a really good show. I had my reservations going into it because I was worried about a few things. I was worried about the fact that there were three women's shows in the card when, historically speaking, they haven't had the loudest of reactions for women's matches. And then I was worried about Sami Zayn appearing on the card because I wasn't sure whether or not the political problems that had kept him out of the country before or apparently kept him out of the country before were going to translate to the crowd. Like, was he going to get a good reaction? Was he going to get a bad reaction? I know the... The political problems have cooled off so that now, you know, he's let back in the country. People from Syria are no longer, um, well, not banned from the country, but like it, it, there was there was tension. Let's put it that way. There was tension between between Syria and the rest of that area of the world. And I'll be sure to tell you, you know, what I thought about those two worries when uh, when we get to those areas. But first of all, the card kicked off with the crowning of a new world's heavyweight champion so we had aj styles versus seth rollins and i thought this was a good match i actually expected more though they went for about 20 minutes and i it was really good it was but you know when you're kind of it's it's for a new belt they've got to kind of establish this new belt but you know aj has made it clear that he thinks it's a secondary title so how we're supposed to take it seriously he, um i don't understand but he's literally he literally in an interview said to me like well it's basically been created because Roman has the other two titles. So how can it not be viewed as secondary? So that's kind of cool. It was a good match. 
might even say a very good match, but to me, the outcome was never in question. I predicted Seth, and that's exactly what we got. And it's just kind of like, why kick the show off with this? This is, you know, supposedly a huge moment. I understand you, you want to kick off a show with a good match and a big moment, but it really already, in its first kind of unveiling, makes the title feel like, ah, it's not that important, it didn't even close the show. But a good match, not a great match, sort of reminded me of uh, the hype I got myself into when it was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles at that WrestleMania, because they, they kind of invoked their Wrestle Kingdom match. They were talking about these guys have fought before, and it's been amazing. And it wasn't, it was decent, but it wasn't great. This was more, This was better than decent, this was good. And the crowd were into it, and that, that's always cool. One thing I will say about this, the Saudi fans is they're always into it. Uh, the first few rows uh, are kind of the important people, like the, and they they never really seem seem like they're that bothered a lot of the time. This time, you didn't really get much of that. But I remember some of the older shows, you got like, oh, they're they're on their phone. You can see they're on their phone. But this this felt more like, a, hey, we're here to have fun. Let's go. And the crowd were hot, so fair play to them. You know, unfortunately, sports washing seems to be working. But congratulations to the world heavyweight champion, Seth Rollins. This title apparently will keep the legacy of the old world heavyweight championship. So, you know, have that kind of title lineage, like who was the champ- who was the world heavyweight champion. It will, it will stretch back. It won't begin with Seth, which I don't get. I do not understand. But, you know, WWE going to WWE. They've decided one thing. And we'll see how long that sticks around. Much like the brand split, I expect it to be kind of retconned or changed or messed about with imminently because they just can't make up their minds. The next match was Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. And I was shocked because I figured this would be, well, not the same main event because they did that silly thing where it was a double main event, which I always think if there are two main events, then there are no main events. I even thought of that back in the day when I was a kid. And it was WrestleMania 8, I think they tried to... Tried to do as a double main event. It was Hogan and Sid, and it was Flair and Savage, and they advertised it as a double main event. I'm like, well, no, whatever goes on last is the main event. You know what I mean? But to be honest, I actually thought Trish looked pretty good here. The problem with being kind of an innovator and someone that broke the mold back in the day is people will build on what you did. So you are going to look not worse, you don't look bad. But you're going to look very, very old school in comparison to the new breed that came after you. And I think Becky helped her along a bit, but Trish certainly held her own. And they went a while, somewhere around like 15 minutes. And I thought it was really good. Um, Zoe Stark came out from under the ring, hit her finish on Becky to help Trish win. Which can only be good for her, because that gets her out there, gets her name out there. Going to get her more mic time when Trish is about, because it's going to be a teacher-student relationship, I hope. I hope they're just kind of going to move on and Trish isn't a part of this because she's now gone and it just becomes Zoe Stark versus Becky Lynch. Next we had Gunther versus Mustafa Ali. And Ali's really good. Like I, I hope that he gets a lot more from this because, you know, it, it was a foregone conclusion who was winning this, but they gave, they gave him a lovely little intro and it was, you know, he was over. And he worked really well. You know, he got given a couple of hope spots and the crowd were behind him. And he, he's a good wrestler. And I know he's had trouble. And I know he's had, like, bad gimmicks. Like, retribution. That was terrible. 
I know he's asked for his release before and they didn't grant it, so he's probably going to be off at the end of this contract. But wherever he ends up, I really hope he gets given more of a shot because he's really good. Like, I I thought this would be over in a couple of minutes and it went more like 10. And it was just like every time he had a hope spot, I was like, oh, he's really doing really well. So I hope he gets more wherever he goes next or the company start treating him better. Uh, I know he's positively Ali at some point or positive Ali rather. And he's just one of the guys that I hope does really well at this situation. Gunther has always looked unstoppable, which is always really fun to watch. And I hope that it continues a long time. It's another really long title reign in the WWE. But this one works for me. Next, we have Bianca Belair versus Oscar, And why on earth could this match not have been the WrestleMania one? Oscar coming away with the Women's Championship for Raw, I believe. I believe... That's the Raw Championship, but I can never remember because they've swapped it around and they're on the wrong shows. And I'm not paying attention to the brand split because WWE aren't. But anyway, Oscar should have won at Mania, didn't win at Mania, won here. Uh, the crowd weren't as into it because they're just not as into him as wrestling, which is fine, you know, that's a, that's a personal preference. But it should have happened at Mania, it didn't happen at Mania. This feels like they're trying to pivot because of the bad reaction that Bianca started to be getting from some crowds, so they tried to get away from that. But it was a good match. I'd say it was pretty, pretty good. Wasn't as good as, say, their Mania match or Charlotte versus uh, Rhea Ripley, but it was close. It was pretty good. It, was, it wasn't It was a bad match at all. It felt pretty bad because the, the crowd reaction just wasn't there a lot at the time, at least in my opinion. But Asuka finally going away with it, finally getting the big win. Should have happened on the bigger stage, in my opinion, obviously. But there we go, at least something happened on this show that you can point at and go, this is what happened, and there you go. Next, Rhea Ripley defeated Natalia in a match that was shorter than this sentence. That's all I've got to say. Bright result, very quick. Done. And then we come on to Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar. And I don't know how to feel about this match, because on one hand, it's cool, and on the other hand, it's ridiculous. You see, the whole thing is that Brock has damaged Cody's arm to the point where Cody will not submit to a medical examination because he knows that it will disqualify him from competing. Fair enough. A little ridiculous, but I'll go with it to this point. And then you've got to the point where, during the match, Brock Lesnar gets a Kimura on Cody Rhodes and Cody sits in it for what feels like 10 minutes. It's probably about two minutes. But he passes out from the pain, very much like Steve Austin, Passing out from the sharpshooter at WrestleMania 13. But it doesn't work for me. It's too much. It's too cartoonish. If this was the 80s and Cody Rhodes was playing Hulk Hogan, I'd be okay with it. But this isn't the 80s. This isn't so cartoonish. It should have been the match was entirely Cody trying desperately to stay away from Brock and hit him with things further away. And the moment Brock gets that move on, the very moment he cranks on it, uh, Cody has to tap uh, and the fact that Cody gets to sit in it and pass out it's just it's too far it's too much it's very very 80s baby face and I loved the 80s wrestling but the rest of the company doesn't reflect that it's very different so it just makes Cody out to be some kind of cartoon character and it's weird it's almost kind of like like he was in uh, AEW where he sort of had his own identity, his own way of things that was separate from the rest of the company. And it's fine, 
but it's just too, for me it's too much I like Cody I think he's a good wrestler I think he's a good interview he's definitely got a connection with the, cl- the crowd they should have pulled the trigger at Wrestlemania now we're at one and one for matches with Brock and Cody so I imagine the third one is coming at SummerSlam after Brock I don't know screws Cody out of money in the bank maybe Cody should have been world champion the fact that he's not kind of limits him to me because now you're just waiting for a will he become world champion or are they just going to delay it and delay it and delay it like they did with, I don't know, Lex Luger in like 94? Or was it 95? Anyway, they, they let Lex quote-unquote win at SummerSlam over Yokozuna by knocking, knocking him out of the ring and getting a count, that count out and he celebrated like he'd won the world title and it just killed him. And I think they're just going to wait too long on Cody. If they're going to give the title to Cody at all at this point, and then we had the final match, a.k.a. the real main event, which was Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the bloodline of Universal Champion Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. And I remember I said on a previous podcast that I was worried about how the crowd were going to react to Sami Zayn. And boy, was I wrong because they were red hot for him. He came out and introduced himself and Kevin Owens in Arabic and the crowd were molten hot. It was amazing. And I felt really stupid and, you know, a little narrow-minded to think that, you know, people cared about all this uh, tension between the the two countries because, you know, people are people and governments are governments. They they can often be not not in the same ballpark, shall we say. And it was a great little match. I think the crowd really helped. Sammy was obviously really happy to have been there and they just went along with everything. And then I remember predicting this, that the Usos were going to do something and it was going to cause the cause a problem. And that's exactly what happened. The Usos ended up getting involved. They uh, basically caused the end of the match and Roman ended up getting kicked in the face. There's massive problems with the bloodline. Solo Sokoa ended up eating the pin. So still your tag team champions. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And you furthered the Bloodline story, which has been kind of stalled since WrestleMania. It's basically true. You've got to have Roman there to keep the story going because he's the he's the tribal chief. He's the one that's, you know, at the, head, at the heart of it all. You can only have Paul Heyman cut promos for so long, even if he is very good, before it becomes like, get on with it, get on with the story. And as we saw on this week's SmackDown, or last week's SmackDown now, it's going to be only when he's about and it looks like the bloodline is really crumbling which is about time I still think they should have done it at Mania but if they're going to keep it going they're at least getting it done reasonably quickly here's where I would talk about Raw but to be honest there's not that much happened on it there was like some matches for qualifying for Money in the Bank and the thing that really matters it happened on Smackdown is that the Usos and Solo Sokoa appeared to be appealing to Roman to like stop being such a jerk and they could still keep running the place and they could still be on top, but he needs to stop gaslighting them and, and being so controlling. And then, basically, Solo Sokoa was like, well, I've got to go with my brothers. And then, surprise, Simone spiked the Usos. So it's looking like it's going to be the Usos versus Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns. And that'll be the end of the bloodline, one way or the other. I can't help but think that this would be just as effective if Roman wasn't the champion still. It it really doesn't matter that he's the champion. What matters is how he's treating members of his family. I don't think he needed to be champion. I mean, on on 
uh, SmackDown, he got a new belt, like a big gold version of the WWE Championship with Undisputed Champion written on it, which is, I think WWE need to learn the definition of the word undisputed because now that Seth Rollins is world champion on Raw, there is definitely a dispute because there are two top champions. It is kind of cool that they're giving him one belt. I wish it wasn't so gaudy, but WWE seem to have an aversion to making nice belts. Uh, NXT UK made some lovely ones. But other than that, I don't even like the latest IC Championship, which, to its credit, doesn't just have a massive WWE logo plastered all over it. I just don't like it as much as the old classic design. But as usual, the top story in WWE can only progress when Roman is there. Uh, Cody is, to my mind, being somewhat left in the dust. I mean, this Brock Lesnar program is fine, but I don't know, he's just not there. I I think WWE will lose confidence in him and he'll lose steam. I hope he doesn't end up in some kind of... I don't ever think he'll go back to the mid-card. But I think that they're going to realise, oh, we should have pulled the trigger here, and we did not, and that is a problem. And the whole who's going to beat Roman thing doesn't matter as much anymore because there is another champion. It's I don't understand how they've... they've It's like they've dismantled the best storyline they ever had, piece by piece. So yeah, that's my thoughts on Night of Champions and my rough thoughts on basically the TV afterwards. The problem with the TV straight after a pay-per-view is just there's not a lot happening unless you're talking about the bloodline and that's been usual with WWE. They're setting up for Money in the Bank, which is going to be you know in London, so that'll be really cool. The crowd are going to be amazing. I think it's a 20,000-seater arena, the O2, I can't remember. But I think it'll be a good show. It's bound to be a good show. It's just that I'm just, again, we're just kind of in a, a holding pattern until Roman makes a move or something happens. And then once that happens, they've really got to establish another top-line uh, feud for me. I don't, like I said, the whole Cody Rhodes being an invincible 80s babyface would kind of be cool if the rest of the company was built like that. But it just comes across as weird to me now. I like Cody. I like Brock. But to me, something's been lost. And that's it for Night of Champions. So now we'll be on to Double or Nothing. Now, Double or Nothing opened up with a battle royal where Orange Cassidy defended the International Championship. And it was really fun. I'm still not a massive fan of how people can just stand outside the ring and not get involved. Why wouldn't you just wait there until there's one person left, then run in and eliminate them? It makes no logical sense. I understand the reasoning why it gives people more room to do some of their crazy spots because AEW is a company that's full of crazy spots. And I also understand that you don't want to do a traditional battle royal because that just means everyone starts in the ring and you can't see anything until about half the people are already gone, making most of your roster look like otter chumps. The last two people involved were Swerve Strickland and Orange Cassidy, and they had a good little match in the end. They kind of uh, ended the match by basically turning it into a separate match. Like It was still a battle royal, but there was enough time where it felt like it was almost another match. And finally, Orange Cassidy came out with the victory, just like I predicted he would, because I am, obviously, the Nostradamus of professional wrestling. <laughs> just kidding. I'd recommend watching this Battle Royal. It was actually one of the better Battle Royals I've ever seen, in, especially in AEW, where they usually make things really complicated and weird. I actually think this one worked really well. You had plenty of spots, plenty of 
sort of mid-card feuds that kept things going and met up. It reminded me a bit of an old-school Royal Rumble where, you know, it wasn't just about who won. There was, like, setting up Mania matches and stuff. And while this didn't necessarily set up matches, you know, there was still some stuff around people like Ricky Starks and Bullet Club Gold that kept that going. So it, it kind of felt, like I said, like an old-school Royal Rumble. I really enjoyed it. One thing I did not enjoy was Chris Jericho versus Adam Cole in a non-sanctioned match. Sabu was supposedly an enforcer, but ended up coming down with one of the competitors because half people were saying he was an enforcer, half of the people were going to say he was in Adam Cole's corner. And it took him about a minute to dive off the top rope, go through a table and brawl to the back with the rest of the Jericho Appreciation Society. And then this just turned into a typical Adam Cole top match like a a main event style match it was just full of plunder it was full of like chain work and i like adam cole but i really don't like his main event top match style where it's just oh let's use this let's use that this was an unsanctioned match that i will remind you ended in referee stoppage it was terrible if this was wcw i'd have called it out if this was tna i'd have called it out so this is AEW. And I'm calling it out. If you're going to have a non-sanctioned match, you cannot have it end in a referee stoppage. It's not the point of the match. You shouldn't have had a contract signing and you shouldn't have ended the match with referee stoppage. Bloody stupid. I would say at least Adam Cole wins. So we're going to get the end of that feud. But this is a Chris Jericho feud. So it doesn't matter who wins and who loses. It's going to go on for at least two more months. Next, we had FTR taking on Team TNA, that's Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. This was pretty fun. I actually wanted to go a bit longer and get a bit more crazy because I really like the ends of the Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal matches where stuff just goes crazy and people get hit with guitars and stuff because it's just the right side of ridiculous where it's just something different. I kind of wish that FTR weren't really involved in this, but I'm quite happy for Team TNA to stick around, which is something I didn't think I was going to say. Uh, when they first turned up, if I remember correctly, I was very against Jarrett turning up because I figured he'd be taking over or trying to put himself over more. But you know what? The man knows his role and he's pretty good at it. FTR winning with the big rig on Jarrett. So it's a right result at least because the last thing I want to see is that FTR lose at the moment. They still haven't had that really big kind of marquee, oh my God, match. I'm kind of hoping we get that at All in London because I want to see them versus Aussie Open as it was apparently a really good match at the New Japan show. Next, Wardlow took on Christian for the TNT Championship in a ladder match. And this was a good match, but unfortunately, Wardlow just needs heating up more. Like, I know they're going to try and get him over, but he was massively over, and they've just... I don't know, they've they've put the brakes on him one too many times, I think. And he's working really hard, and Christian did his best, and there was some amazing spots. I mean, there was a, a senton from the top of a ladder from Wardlow onto Luchasaurus through a table that looked incredible. But I need more. I need uh, some dominance from Wardlow. I need him to start smashing people again because that's when it was fun. That's when it got ridiculous. Basically, I need him to be like he was back in the MJF feud. I don't know. Maybe they'll get him there. With this new TV time with Collision happening, maybe he'll get more time and more opponents and that kind of thing. And that'll be cool because I don't think Wardlow did anything wrong. He was just booked to the point where I was like, now you're the TNT champion, now you've lost the TNT championship. And I kind of lost interest, and that's not his fault. 
I'm hoping he gets rewarmed up because I think he's a good good wrestler, especially for a guy his size. I think he's, he's got something about him. Tony Storm beat Jamie Hayter. Uh, Jamie Hayter's injured, so this was very quick, and it was full of like smoke and mirrors to kind of hide the fact that Jamie Hayter was injured. And I can only hope she's better for Wembley because that'll be a big pop when she wins that title back. Shame that this couldn't have been longer, but I completely understand. Like You don't want to risk making an injury even worse. Next, in an unannounced match, we had the Acclaimed versus the House of Black in a match for the Trios Championships. And I'm cool with this. This was a good match, but I'm not cool with one aspect of it. The Acclaimed turned down the opportunity to change the rules in their favour. They're like, oh, we don't need to. It's like, dude, you can make some really interesting and cool matches on this. You could be like, oh, you can't go to the top rope. Oh, you've got... You've, you know, this match ends in a one count, so you can't keep your, you can't ever be on your back. You can't be out of the, outside the ring for more than five seconds. You can do a lot of things, and to have teams keep being like, no, we don't need this, or like, oh, you can't have... They've all been silly so far, rather than changing the match. I mean, you could turn up and be like, okay, uh, it's for the trios title, but it's going to be a trios ladder match, or a dog collar match, or a cage match. You could change it to anything. It would be awesome. But the thing is, they're not doing that. Like, Best Friends came up with some silly gimmick that was just like, I can't even remember what it was, but it basically made no difference in the match. And now they've done it with this, and it's just kind of like, no, if you're going to say, like, oh, you can pick the stipulation, I'd be like, well, you guys can't kick. Ha ha. And then have the House of Black still win. Put them against, put them up against the, the wall, as it were, and be like, you can't do this. You can't use your ta- your favourite tactics. You can't do certain things, or you can do certain things, or oh, we're, we're the um, death triangle, so we're going to do a ladder match because we're better at those matches. It could be cool. It could be a way of like making the House of Black seem even more menacing when they keep being put up against, like, oh, this is our favourite match type, so we'll go with that. And you still beat them. It makes you look incredible. This was a really good match, don't get me wrong, and I think it's going to lead into a, a feud because the acclaimed on TV have said, like, oh, we want, a, we want Daddy Ass to get a another title around his waist he deserves it so that's cool because it was a good match but i really hope they take advantage of this stipulation because if you're not going to take advantage of it why have it there it's like they came up with it and now don't have any ideas it's very wcw next jade cargill defeated toya valkyrie but that isn't really the story because chris standlander came back and defeated jade cargill for the tbs championship in what i have to admit is a bit of a letdown. Why they didn't let this rest and give a bit more build-up to the... I mean, I know that Chris Statlander's basically been groomed to take the TBS Championship off of Jade Cargill. And the crowd went nuts, don't get me wrong. But it just, to me, it felt like an anti-climax. It felt like, oh, nobody can beat her straight. She has to have already wrestled a match. And yeah, I get the point that Jade Cargill was being too overconfident by making another challenge. But you know who else did that? Yokozuna at WrestleMania 9 when Hogan beat him for the belt. At the end of the day, it makes your heel look weaker than they should. And it makes your babyface not look as impressive as they should for beating the heel. Especially when they're on such a massive winning streak. I quite like Chris Statlander, so her having the belt is going to be great. And I'm hoping that we get a kind of more humble Jade Cargill comeback or at least someone that will interact with the rest of the women's division because she's been very much off on her own, defeating Sky Blue every couple of weeks and that kind of thing. 
I hope that she comes back and she's part of the women's division, not just set off on her own. She's not an amazing wrestler, but I think she's okay, and I think she's got character enough to make that kind of be okay for her. But I just didn't like the fact that they just did this for a surprise. And yes, it's good that Chris Stanton has come back from injury, and it was a nice pop for the crowd. But it just really... I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. I didn't enjoy watching a big Goldberg-like streak go down to, oh, by the way, I lost because I was dumb enough to make another challenge. Next, we had the Four Pellers world title match, which was excellent, as I expected it to be. I think the build-up to it has been too much. I don't think three of the guys on MGF's level, I don't think anybody expected MGF to lose, and he didn't. But in ring, as expected, you know, it was it was a great match. These guys know what they're doing. They've faced each other a lot. Then all they've got to do is put it together in ways that people don't expect. I don't think this did much for Darby Allen or Sammy Guevara or Jungle Boy because it really did highlight the fact that outside of the ring, they are not on MJF's level in the slightest. It's not close. MJF just knows what he's doing. He can get reactions a Jungle Boy's just looked a bit lost whenever he's tried to do an interview. He really needs to work on that. Darby Allen, you know, he's got he's got a kind of physical charisma which serves him well. So he doesn't really need to be great at promos, but he's better than Jungle Boy. Sammy Guevara, despite you know releasing the news that he's he's going to become a father soon because Ty Mello is pregnant, which is cool. He's not a baby face. He's never going to be a baby face. I had hoped that when they announced this match that it would drag at least one of them up to recurring main event star level, and it hasn't managed to do that. In fact, I think it's damaged them all a little bit. They look lesser than they did before. At least to me, in-ring it was great. In-ring it was it was really good. But at the end of the day, there's only one winner. There was only ever going to be one winner. It's NJF, and we're going to be on to his next challenger pretty soon. I can't see them rolling this back. He won with the headlock takeover on Derby Island, which must have stung, but it really worked well. It really, you know, it just it's his character. It's perfect, and I don't think the other guys have got that yet. I hope they'll get there because they're good enough in the ring at the style they do. But MJF's just on another level. Then we come to the main event, the final match, you know, uh, the Anakin the Arena match between the Elite and the Blackpool Combat Club. This one had a live band playing Wild Thing on repeat, rather like, you know, the last Anarchy in the Arena match where that song just played over and over again. And it was cute. You know, it was it was cute. It wasn't I, I didn't like it. I, I I don't like these matches. I don't think they're very good. I think that the camera often misses spots that they shouldn't miss. Because it is so wild, it is so crazy. I'm not the biggest fan of the Elite as it is. And I hate this style of match. It's just, oh, this happened. Oh, and by the time, you don't even have much of a time to react to what you're seeing. It's just, oh, something else has happened. Oh, something else has happened. Oh, something else has happened. Oh, my God. And to my mind, if you're going to do an incredibly violent match with like people going through stuff and all that kind of thing, you need to focus on it. It needs to be one-on-one or at most a tag where you're not going to get too split up and people are going to be able to know everything that's happened. Anarchy in the Arena is aptly named. It is pretty much that. I just, they're not for me. They're just not for me. I mean, the crowd love them, 
lots of people enjoy them. But for me, I just, I just, I prefer a wrestling match. I mean, there was that ridiculous super kick spot with the fireworks in the boot, and it's like, well, that's not the end. They never end. There's never always oh, a big thing. Never end. Big thing. Never end. Uh, and speaking of the end, Takashida came out, who'd been like aligned with the elite, and attacked Kenny Omega, leading to the victory by Wheeler Utah. So that was cool. It's cool that they're putting somebody new up in that top rank. And Takashida's a good wrestler. He just never seems to get many victories, or he hasn't been getting a lot of victories. But it's cool that they're giving somebody new a shot on top. I mean, that's not something that other companies usually do. He's aligned with Don Callis, which can only help because Don Callis is great in the microphone. And it garnered some tremendous heat on the Dynamite following that pay-per-view. So that's all good. Anything that gets heat is good with me. And speaking of the dynamite that followed the pay-per-view, Tony Khan announced that Collision would have CM Punk on it, which is, you know, the worst-kept secret in professional wrestling for someone who is following news like using this program or the Wrestling Observer or any of that kind of thing. But for the average and casual audience, I imagine that was big news. But before we get into talking about CM Punk, I just want to say that between the two pay-per-views, I would say that Night of Champions was actually better, but that's not by much. The AEW show was good. It just didn't feel as good as a lot of their other shows. It was still a very good show. It's still fun to watch, but they've usually got such high quality that even this very, very good show was a little bit of a letdown. I'm not sure why. It, like I said, it was not a bad show. There was plenty of people online that were like, oh, this is this wasn't a good show. No, it was a good show. It's just you're so used to AEW pay-per-views being like, oh, that one match was incredible, that you kind of you forget when they also have some bad stuff on them. And this doesn't really have that incredible, unbelievable match on it. The Four Corners, Four Pillars match was really, really good, don't get me wrong. But I'm not sure this is going to hold up as well as AEW's other pay-per-views. But then we return back to the CM Punk news from that week's Dynamite. The crowd reaction was incredibly mixed. Just incredibly mixed. There was a lot of cheering, a lot of booing. Now this is either going to be a great thing or an awkward thing. Because if they need CM Punk to be a babyface, if that's like part of their plans, then they need to stop that right now. Because there's a certain aspect to this fan base, that 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 elite loving fan base, that will just not, they'll never forgive Punk for this. Because to be honest, he could have tanked the company, he could have really damaged the company. So I can certainly understand people like that. Personally, I've, I love Punk. I think Punk's great. Is it is he a malcontent? Yeah. Is he always going to complain and bitch? Yeah. Manage it because he's talent. He's good. He's a draw. And that's really the thing. Is he going to remain a draw? I mean, we don't know. People could be so turned off that he doesn't sell a lot of merch, that people don't tune in to see him, which would be a problem considering Warner of Discovery. Basically, Greenlit Collision, apparently, due to his involvement, we've got Forbidden Door coming up at the end of this month, Money in the Bank coming up at the beginning of next month, and that's looking. they're both looking like they're going to be good shows. 
I mean, it sounds like we're going to get Okada versus Brian Danielson, and we're going to get Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega, and they both sound like absolutely amazing matches. My only worry is that somebody gets hurt coming into All in London, because selfishly, I have tickets to All in London. I do not have tickets to Forbidden Door, although I will probably be watching it on pay-per-view. So, I'll be back next time to talk to you about how these cards are shaping up, about where I think storylines are going to go, and anything else that turns up in the world of professional wrestling. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Paul, and for the Wrestling Arena, I'll see you next time. <laughs>